I'm Marisol Cardi. And I'm Melissa Landry. We go to Miss Porter School in Farmington, Connecticut. We went to China for our intermission trip. Before, we knew about the history and culture. And I'm learning Chinese. I didn't know anything. But we were open-minded. Day one, we weren't convinced. We started with an early morning drive to Newark, then a 14-hour flight to Beijing. And after the flight, we were getting pretty silly. This is us on a bus ride from the airport to RDFZ. That stands for Ren Da Fu Zhong. No, it's Ren Da Fu Zhong. Anyway, that means the high school affiliated with Renmin University. After 14 hours on a plane, we weren't exactly in great shape for a first impression. We met Grace, our guide. We got there late. But dinner was waiting for us. And the best hot soybean drink of my life. <laughs> All right. Okay, so it wasn't that good. But that first night, we got into the cafeteria, and we'd been awake for 18 hours or something. And even after dinner, we didn't go right to bed. There was a lot of food. Everything in China was so big. The airport, the city, and the dinner they had waiting for us when we got there. So many options. Egg with mushroom and pork, egg with tomato, bok choy, a shrimp dish, an orange, bread-like rice things, and a chicken drumstick. It was pretty good. I wasn't really feeling the shrimp dish, so I left it on my plate. It all kind of smelled weird together, but it didn't taste bad at all. I think the smell mixed with nerves made it hard to eat. After dinner, we walked to 7-Eleven, you know, like the American 7-Eleven, but in China. It wasn't as different as I expected it to be, except for that I could hardly I pulled an all-nighter the night before and went to bed at midnight in China. As I fell asleep that night, it still hadn't sunk in. I was on the other side of the world. This music sounds like a saxophone, but it's actually this guy singing with his throat. In China, the air is pretty different, and by different, I mean polluted. Before we left, I read that the levels of pollution are visible from outer space, especially in Beijing and Shanghai. It's so bad that millions of Chinese people die from the effects that pollution brings every year. But three weeks wasn't going to kill us. Then we decided to go for a run. Okay, well, I was really missing exercise. I run almost every day back home, and in China I hadn't run for about a week and it was messing with my body a bit. Running is something universal. Feeling rushing wind and bounding legs is something everyone across every nation has the capacity to feel. Alyssa and I were seeking that feeling. We had masks on to fight the pollution, but it was more painful to keep them on. We'd only run two miles, but that was enough. It wasn't like running back home. We went on day trips, one to the Lama Temple. It's a series of Buddhist temples, all lavishly decorated. They've got these enormous Buddhist statues. They told us it was carved out of one tree, 50 feet tall. I don't know if I believe there's one tree that big. I had never been to a religious site that wasn't Catholic, but this one kind of felt like my own, or smelled like it. They burn incense, and they have giant statues and decorations of their gods, and many people were bowing. And their religions aren't too different either. Like Jesus, Happy Buddha is supposed to come again in the future. The Buddhists were so inspiring, and the temple was truly beautiful. Later, after our run, we started talking about the trip to the temple. When I was there, I tried to be respectful in the way that I would want someone to respect my religion. One time at Mass, we were receiving communion, which is something you can only get if you're Catholic. And this stranger just came up and got in line to get communion. That was kind of offensive, because even though he didn't know what was going on, I wished he had taken the time to know what was respectful if he was planning to visit a religious location. At the temple, there were monks visiting from Tibet. They were called lamas. One of them tapped me on the shoulder and asked for a photo. I nodded yes and smiled. They didn't speak English. 
In China, there aren't many blonde people, so everywhere we went, people would just come up to me and take selfies. These women couldn't ask me kindly, but their attitude was kind. They grabbed my arms and took a picture with me, and then a bunch of llamas joined us. We just smiled and laughed together. My friend Sophie made quite the observation. She said, you don't need to speak the same language as someone to understand love. In China, we were curious about how people living there viewed the country. Here are some of their thoughts. Uh, my name is Mr. Humber. And where are you from? I'm from Tasmania, Australia. And um, so why did you decide to come here? Um, basically because of the salary. I was already living in China and I'm an international teacher and I decided that um, the salary was a little bit more here and I was interested to see what it was like to live in Beijing. What has been your experience at RDFC? Um, generally disappointing. Uh, <laughs> the school doesn't measure up to academically to my expectations. The classroom sizes are small and the resources are terrible. I will definitely leave this year. I'll go back to Australia. What do you most enjoy like, teaching students? Oh, oh, with the students, um, I enjoy helping with, them, with their performance because I find that their personal instrumental teachers don't teach them about how to play musically. They don't teach them how to reflect critically on their practice. Um, they just play things from beginning to end again and again and again and I teach them about ways to um, analyse what they're doing and, and synthesise it back together again so they produce a really nice um, performance that's much more expressive. Do you find that students at RDFZ are more expressive or more focused on perfection musically? I, I find, no, I find when I came here they're not expressive at all. They play quite robot, robotically. They have to be taught that and very few of their teachers actually teach them to play expressively or sing expressively or anything. So um, there is a bigger focus in China, particularly on, on technical ability rather than expressive ability. My name is Nico Varma. And where are you from? I'm from London. And what has been your experience at RDFC? Why did you decide to come here? Uh, well, before living in uh, Beijing, I was living in Hong Kong. And it just happened that in Hong Kong, my contract was ending and this opportunity came up. Why do I like the school? Yes. I mean, it's uh, I teach English, which I love, and next year I'm going to be teaching French. Um, it's a great school. It's very renowned. Um, there are lots of... Uh, the kids are great. The students are great. Um, it's been a learning curve because it's very different to what I've done in Hong Kong, but uh, I like it. Is there anything that you don't like about the school? Um, it's huge, and it's not what I'm used to. The campus is big, but it's convenient. The area is nice. What do you like about Beijing? What do I love about Beijing? The history. Yeah. The history. I, uh, I'm fascinated by Chinese history. And in particular, because I'm from such a... Well, I'm from Britain, so it's so different how China is. Um, I think everyone who's not from China comes with an impression of what China is. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be very polluted. I thought it was going to be, have this great firewall. We wouldn't have to go to the internet. But actually, we can. And so um, I like Beijing because it's completely different to what I was expecting. And it's still quite cosmopolitan, it's quite an upcoming city, so I like it. Has there been like one thing that's really stood out to you as like a difference from where you come from? Uh, that's a good, difficult question. You know, because I was in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong, although it's part of China, it was a good transition into Asia because I was still in the Chinese country, so I knew how things were in China, but it was still a very Western, westernized city. You've lived in London and in Hong Kong. Yeah. Have you been able to get accustomed to a big city or has it still been a change because you've lived in other big cities too? Um, well, that's a difficult question. I think because 
China is so different to anywhere else. That's the biggest change. And I think what the biggest challenge was, was getting over the conception of what I had of China before I came. So living in a big city, I mean, you have metros and you have, um, you know, the transportation. It's kind of easy to navigate. This is a very student area, so there's lots of shops around here. But whereas um, in, in terms of just like what's difficult, it's just like what I built in my mind about pollution, what I built in my mind about the spiral wall, what I built in my mind about what China... I thought people were going to be going around on rickshaws, you know, and <laughs> it's going to be dirty and stuff like this, but it's not. And so that was the biggest challenge for me to get over that conception. Now when I told my friends, I was like, oh, you've got to come to Beijing because it's completely not what we thought. What assumptions did you have about like how the people were going to be here before you came? Like I honestly thought this was going to be like really small streets. People were going to be running around on rickshaws, and I, I genuinely thought this. This is my conception of, of China. And um, perhaps it is like that in maybe rural areas, but it's not like that in Beijing. And one thing I love about Beijing compared to other cities like Shanghai and, uh, and even down south in Guangdong province is like, you get a real cosmopolitan feel here when you go into the other side of town with the high rises and everything, but you also get a real sense of the history. I think my assumption was that it was going to be really traditional, uh, but it's not. It is in areas but not where I live, not where I go, and, and that's what I love about it. So you get like a real mix of like old, new, modern tradition, and they're so proud that Beijing is of their history. And like I say, because I'm, I'm passionate about the history and passionate about literature, Chinese literature, it's nice when you talk to locals, because they, even if you don't speak that much Chinese, you can still bond with them about their history and about their culture. Maybe, after hearing this podcast, your opinions of China will have changed. Maybe you feel as if you understand it better. We felt that the longer we stayed in China, the less we understood it. It was beautiful, paradoxical, a perfect duet, a harmony of new and old. In conclusion, we have nothing but this quote, one that we were introduced to as soon as we were told we would be traveling to Beijing. There is a saying that someone who visits China for a week will go home and write a book about it. Someone who spends a month there will write no more than an article and someone who remains for a year or more will be unable to write anything. But they didn't mention anything about a podcast. <laughs> this podcast was produced by Marisol Cardi and Alyssa Landry. Special thanks to Ali Oshinsky and Miss Porter School. And Vera and Alan and Matthew and all of the girls we traveled with. Thank you.